Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Hey, this is Kenny Blues Boss Wayne, and I'd like to welcome everybody to my program, the Blues Boss Radio Project on OkanaganValleyRadio.com. We've asked the question before on this podcast, what would radio look like if it were invented after the internet? A couple of new internet radio stations are exploring that. Maple Music Cafe, launched this past New Year's Eve by Toronto music industry veteran Joey C. And the other, OkanaganValleyRadio.com, launched by former Vancouver area station owner and host Alan Hollander. Now let's try something different. A morning show with good news, happy, memorable music, enlightening conversations, and the stories of our lives. Welcome to Good Morning Okanagan, a new kind of radio show for a new kind of audience. Here's your host, Alan Hollander. talk about the journey in radio and and for that matter anything that in life that you start uh, I, I believe you started with a, a little bit of a passion for something at a very young age and so when I was 10 years old I used to broadcast on my mother in the kitchen and um, and she was my biggest fan as a matter of fact uh, I, I remember um, when I when I first came home uh, from school the first thing I would do is go into my radio station and uh, and kind of broadcast to my mother, but thinking I was, uh, you know, broadcasting to the world when, when it was just, there was a speaker in the kitchen and my mom, my dad hooked it up in there and, and, uh, and that was my, my radio station. And I remember somebody saying to me, when you're doing radio, you'd never know who's listening. It could be one or it could be a hundred, but just think of one person that you might be talking to. And so I always envision my mom, but at any rate, um, that's how it started. And then from there, I kind of drifted off into different directions and basically, you know, went on to the conventional aspect of getting degrees and, and, um, and, and, and going on to, for uh, my master's in sociology. And, and I drifted back into radio when I was in college, actually at the University of Montana. I started the first uh, jazz station, a uh, jazz program in in the state of Montana. As you can imagine, it's mostly country and western. And so there I was with my jazz show at midnight, and uh, and and that kind of got me back into thinking, hey, maybe I'd, I'd really like to do this. But you know, you you think about uh, careers, and you think about getting married and families and all that. You need to support them, and radio wasn't the best way for me to do that. So I wound up in different directions. Uh, I spent 25 years working uh, in the uh, in, in the fundraising development area and uh, and also with Big Brothers. I, I was with Big Brothers for 10 years as a counselor and then executive director and then I went off and did other things with in relationship to uh, to, to development working for colleges, universities, uh, universities and, and hospitals setting up hospital foundations and all of that. So it's a totally unrelated to radio. The turning point was when I was approached by a couple of other fellows to start a radio station in Richmond. I was there very heavily involved in the community and they asked if I would help get a license from the CRTC. And uh, I, we were successful, so we started CL 650 in Richmond. And from that point on, um, I still did other things, but uh, I, I, I guess the, my main reason for investing in 
being a partner and a shareholder was so that I could go on the air, go go on the air. But but that really wasn't the plan. But I did drift back into it again, uh, doing a, a business talk radio program uh, for CFUN in Richmond, and um, that got me on the Chum Radio Network. And it was, a, it was a home biz show, actually called the Home the Home Biz Radio Program. But then I started a program on um, AM uh, AM ten fifty before it became all sports in in Vancouver. And it was on a Saturday night. It was called Big L's Dance Party. It was three hours, I call it three hours of memory, music, and mayhem. And um, we had a lot of fun with that. I interviewed everybody from Michael Bublé, who was a teenager at the time, to uh, Cal Jader at the Blue Note in uh, in New York. And uh, it had a lot of fun. And then I discovered uh, somebody gave me a, sh- a call. Hugh Dobby, actually, was his name. And he uh, was with. Uh, he had started a company, and um, basically he was exploring the internet. And he said, uh, uh, "Come on out to a studio in Burnaby." He said, "And uh, I'm, I'm going to get you to, to talk to the world." And I said, "What do you mean on telephone?" He said, "No, no, no. Come on in. I'll show you." So he put me in his little booth and uh, said, uh, "Okay, do a, do a, do a, do a program now, and we're going over on something called the internet." And this was in 1997. So I, my claim to fame is having done the first Internet broadcast in Canada in 1997, uh, along with uh, Tom Lucas, who also did a show that day, and Michael Godin, who still does an online show called Treasure Island Oldies, which he's been doing for the past 20 years. Uh, so that was new, to the whole new area of, of Internet radio. And uh, I took that idea and explored it with Hugh, and we set up the Media on Tap radio network. We had, uh, in those days, uh, today it's called podcast. In those days, we just recorded shows, put them on air, and then put, a, put them on the Internet, a URL, mediaontap.com. And then uh, some people in California asked if I would do something with them, uh, a positive world radio and the conscious planet radio, do some good stuff for people while we were doing uh, radio programs. And that kind of brought me right back into into doing radio. And but at the same time, never enough really to uh, to keep the uh, you know to keep to keep paid all the bills, shall we say? So. Um, uh, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun, but went back into being a consultant uh, with various organizations. And then we moved here to the to the Okanagan, and I started Peachland Radio, which never had a radio station before, online once again. Told them we didn't need a tower, and they said, well, how do we get it? And I said, you turn on the computer. And for a lot of people in their 60s and 70s, they still said, where can we find it on the radio, on the, in the car? And... Um, I said, uh, just wait. It'll it'll happen on the car too. So, uh, did Peachland Radio, and then came out, uh, and then was approached by the Okanagan Newspaper Group uh, here in uh, the Okanagan to uh, they they took their their traditional paper, their legacy paper, and said we're going to go online and do do an online edition, and we'd like to also do if we're going to do digital paper, we should probably do digital radio too. So, would you like to partner with us? And so that leads me to today, which is Okanagan Valley Radio, and I own the station, but I'm in partnership with the uh, Okanagan Newspaper Group. So it's an interesting uh, partnership because now uh, when they do approach people, clients and customers, they can they sort of have a three-pronged media platform. They can sell the newspaper itself, the legacy paper. 
the digital online paper and now a digital radio station as well. So what's the particular ethos of Okanagan Valley Radio in terms of the overall sound? Well, the interesting part is I did some research here because I determined that there were several genres of music that weren't covered. And uh, they were jazz, blues, and uh, original oldies. And so the concept, the idea that I had is to bring back original radio with new technology. So a lot of the shows we have, uh, the podcasts, we have over 34 podcasts. And each of them is hosted by somebody who's from who, who's a veteran in the in the radio industry and that's the other thing is that a lot of the guys like myself who were in traditional radio terrestrial radio are no longer involved they've been downsized capsized or just let go and they have no place to go and uh, they can do their own shows their own podcasts but that's about it so i'm kind of creating a gathering of different people uh, i mean i've got a guy frank allen in new york city who was a he could be in the DJ Hall of Fame, along with Alan Freed and Murray the K and all those great DJs, but he has nowhere to go with his shows. So he, he he's now on several internet stations, and he's on our station, and he does a four-hour show that's a phenomenal. It's, it's a, you know, doo-wop, soul, R&B, what have you. Those are the kind of people that I have on the station. So they're award-winning hosts who are very knowledgeable about their music, and they're giving people what they want to hear. I mean, to me, I believe in giving radio back to its original owners, which are the listeners. It's not the corporate moguls who keep changing formats every six months, hoping that they're bringing the listener the right thing. They never ask the listener what they want. They just assume that that's what they need or want to listen to. So the whole concept between us, what we're doing here, as I say, is is re, uh, um, sort of retooling reinventing radio um, and uh, for a new generation of listeners. And so we not only have traditional you know, shows, but we also have the podcasts. And, uh, and I think what we're doing is we're bringing um, not just the sounds of jazz and blues and oldies, but the people behind them who, that are hosting the shows a lot of them are using their personal collections. They're, they're, they've even, they're very knowledgeable. So it's just not music tracks. It's not Spotify. It's, uh, it's clearly the way radio used to sound. I think that's the question a lot of people have, is where, where does online radio fit into that whole picture when you have Spotify and podcasting networks and platforms like YouTube Music? Well, that's I think where, where the where, where you know when you look at radio in general. Okay, let let's imagine that we consider that what would radio be like if it was starting now, if the radio if, if the internet had just been invented today and radio was starting today, what would it look like? Well, it would look like what 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 you see what, what we're creating with Okanagan Valley Radio. It, it, it it's not your traditional, you know, the tower and, and, and the car radio, even the car radio now, you know, people have, there's Wi-Fi on the car radios and uh, uh, the ability to pick up stations, a thousand internet stations uh, with the flip of a switch in five years, it'll be part of every radio, every, every dashboard in every car. And if you ask me what the difference is between Spotify and, and, and YouTube's and all that, but that, that's just, that's like Muzak. Remember the old days of Muzak, you get in the elevator and you hear Muzak. 
that's all it is. And people, yes, some people do want to just listen to music tracks, but there's a whole generation of people. When we did our research or study who was actually listening to to our station, a lot of the shows that we have are big band sounds, music of the 40s, 50s, big band, jazz, all that. There's people in their 20s that want to listen to that big band sound. What was that like, the, you know, the swing era? Uh, it's not the 70 and 80-year-olds. It's the young kids that are interested in what was radio really like because today they don't have a concept of that. So if they're 18 or 24 or whatever, they've never owned a radio. Essentially, you're a podcast curation platform. I would say that would be an accurate, uh, an accurate description. Yeah, we're also, too, I should mention this, too, Connie, because it's important. We are commercial-free. We do sponsor acknowledgments like PBS and NPR does, where they say this show is brought to you through the general support of such-and-such, such, you know, sponsor. So it's sponsor-related, but it's not, there's no 60- or 30-second commercials. Right. So is, are the sponsorships enough to keep the lights on? At the present time, I think what's keeping the lights on is the partnership with the newspaper, the pub, they, they've been, they're investing in the uh, concept of what I'm creating. We're all going to look at this a year from now and say, okay, what have we generated for revenue? What do we need to do to generate more revenue? And do we need to hire specifically digital radio salespeople as opposed to newspaper salespeople who are selling a package of newspaper legacy uh, uh, print online and radio. So this is a beta test this first year, I would say. From bebop to hip hop, we have it all on the menu at the all new Maple Music Cafe. Canadian Music History Radio. You won't believe your ears. Okay, my name is Joey C. I'm, I'm noted as a pioneer, I guess. I'm still here. <laughs> uh, and I'm the uh, producer and uh, director of uh, Maple Music Cafe, which is basically called Canadian Music History Radio. It's an internet radio station. But the difference is between us and all the radio stations on the internet is that we are totally 100% Canadian music. And the people involved in this station, which we started New Year's Eve, are people who are other pioneers in the business uh, who I've worked with for the last 50 years plus and that includes people like David Farrell, uh, Mark Mellowish, Gil Moore, John Harris, I mean they're all the players in this but because we know the history of Canadian music and that's why I think we're in a position where we could do this. Um, our job is to promote Canadian music past, present, uh, all genres and including a lot of emerging artists. We want to promote a lot of emerging artists, but to let people know around the world that these people are Canadian. Not, you know, wait till a Drake happens or a Bieber happens, oh, and then they start finding out they're Canadian. We want to let them know they are before they even happen. Because these artists, these companies in the States and the UK are looking for Canadian talents. You know, and I think some of them are a little burnt out looking at YouTube, but, you know, uh, we just try to expose them the best we can on radio. So there's an artist promotion role here in addition to, I guess, entertainment. It always was. Our, our, idea, our job was, was always to promote Canadian music, period. The songwriters, uh, uh, the singers, the bands, the, and a lot of people behind the scenes. We want to talk about the people who actually built the industry here in Canada. 
most of us are involved, myself, I mean, I've been in this business over 56 years, so I was there when there was no Canadian music industry, and all of us have been involved in Canadian publications all these years. So it's not that we don't know the history of the Canadian music industry, we know it, and uh, we're trying to get that information out there and, and, and share our knowledge with, with the audience. So, so let's talk about those publications, because they're ones that our audience is going to be familiar with. Well, if they go far back, <laughs> I started with Music Canada Quarterly Magazine, which was Canada's first full-color magazine based on Canadian music, and that was in the early 70s. And that segued into Record Week, which was a music industry trade newspaper every week. And then I took a hiatus from that, and David Farrell, who was my uh, managing editor, decided he would start his trade paper, which became the record, and the rest is history. Now it's FYI, and... Um, and Martin Mellowish, who's also involved with us, um, he was the correspondent for Billboard magazine. And he's, a, and he's written a lot of books on the industry, uh, I mean major books. Uh, his last one, I think, is Miles Goodwin, Goodwin's uh, book. Um, yeah, so we're all involved in publishing in some way or another. How did you come to decide that an internet radio station was, was the next step for you? Well, I've, always, I've come from radio because I used to be music director at CKFH Radio. I had my own show on CBC Radio Syndicated. I miss it a bit, but it only made sense because this is one of the mediums, the big mediums, to reach people. Um, internet radio stations are, are not like the uh, CRTC where you have to get you know broadcast licenses. This is easier to do. Um, and I knew going in that you know, there's thousands of internet stations worldwide, but unless we have something that's completely different, something that people are going to gravitate to, then there's no sense doing it. And if I have to have the right people to be involved with it, otherwise we won't be credible, right? Is internet radio monetizable in Canada? Yeah, it is monetized, yeah. And uh, we, we start off with uh, a, a little bit of advertising. Now we're going strictly limited advertising. I don't want to be loaded with advertising. Right now you hear a lot of PSAs. Uh, we haven't really pushed, but we, have to, we do have packages we're going to produce so that you know it maintains itself. Most, most of the station is volunteer-based. Um, I funded it myself uh, just to get it going, um, so I'm not in it for the money. But, uh, but all of us have made our living in the music industry. We, we recognize that. And so we're giving back, and uh, we're trying to get to, to today's uh, talent understanding what it took to get to this point. You know, everybody thinks it was easy, but it's, it's not. And uh, a lot of these people who get these awards, you know, whether it's Pioneer Awards or whatever, um, they're getting it for that reason. Like even Neil Dixon, who puts on CMW, he goes far back when he used to uh, run a record company, Solid Gold, you know, and then he was a promo, promo guy. He, he worked his way into this system. Um, but we all did. We all did. And uh, we're happy to just share that with, with people. And hopefully all these shows that we do on, on air, which is 24-7 and uh, repeated four times a day, um, will do that job. So, Joey, do you, have, do you have, like, traffic numbers and analytics so it's, far? It's still early because, you know, uh, we start New Year's Eve, right? But uh, I, I'm, from what I gather, we're up into the, I don't know, four or 5,000 probably. Uh, don't hold me to that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really I get involved with that. I just do the best job we can, and every once in a while I ask for analytics. Uh, I'm more interested to see who's listening where, you know, and how long they're listening for. And uh, that's what I gear towards. The numbers will come because uh, once the industry gets all of it, everybody industry will be involved. It'll become like an industry radio station. 
This episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, is brought to you by Records and Rockstars with Jeff Woods, available to stations as a weekly or daily feature. Learn more at MomentumMediaNetworks.com. For Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, I'm Connie Teeson. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.